Welcome to Disambiguation. I'm your host, Michael Fawcett. Each week, we interview experts in AI, generative AI, and business automation to help business leaders understand how to use these tools for the biggest business impact. In our show today, we look at AI and creative design. I'm joined by Lise Warrington, Chief Design Officer at DXM, and John Kremer, Chief Product Officer at DXM. John and Lee, welcome. Thank you, Michael. So just to kick this off, can you guys both give us a little introduction, tell us a little about your experience with AI design, uh, and then how you see the technology evolving over time? An easy question. That's a layup to start. Uh, one, Lee, why don't I start? I'll, uh, I'm John Kramer. I'm a, uh, uh, the chief product officer of DXM, as you introduced. I'm a Silicon Valley veteran with several tours of duty at uh, at big companies, Adobe most recently, but also Yahoo and, and JP Morgan Chase. Uh, most recently, uh, after leaving Adobe, I uh, I've started up a venture capital firm and a social impact firm uh, with a friend. I was happy doing that uh, for, for a long while until uh, DXM approached me for capital. Uh, and instead of giving him capital, I decided to join the team and, and jump in with both feet with Lee uh, and, and Kathy and, and Ricks. Uh, my experience with AI is in, in its current form really started with Adobe, uh, with uh, the work uh, uh, the team was doing over there for 10 plus years. And I've followed that up uh, with passion uh, ever since. Uh, I'm an advisor to a couple of companies that are in the space. Uh, and then certainly in, in this uh, world, I, this really marries a lot of my past, uh, both in product design and, and in uh, running web-based businesses with mm-hmm. what we think we can do in the future with uh, with moving forward much faster with both the design process and really the content that flows out of the design mm-hmm. process. Cool. Lee? Yeah, I'm Lee Swearingen. Uh, worked at Apple briefly. Um, was a creative director at a company called Macromedia way back, mm-hmm. which was bought by Adobe. Um, and then started my own design firm that I've had forever, doing innovation work, uh, UX, UI, graphics design stuff as well. Um, you know, AI, we dove in, you know, well, first started with Siri. We actually worked on Siri uh, before Apple acquired it. So that was pretty interesting. And, um, you know, worked mostly on the user experience for that. And uh, but it's changed so much. And early this year, early 2023, our company was faced with losing a couple of clients after COVID and really had to figure this thing out and, and just thought it was a perfect time to just reinvent what it means to be an agency or to be a design service. Right. And then realize how realize very quickly that that's also a tool that's useful to a lot of people. So um, that's how it how it started. And we've watched the quality go from, you know, change every two months or so. You're just reaching these milestones that are game changers. You know, now you can do food photography. Now you can do photorealistic portraits of people and you can't tell the difference. So those are, to me, those are the milestones that we're just seeing every every week. We're seeing something new. Yeah, no, that's great. It, it is exciting. I mean, I have to admit to just try to keep up these days. It's like a, a real uh, challenge to see what came out yesterday. And uh, yeah, 
but that's okay. It keeps us on our toes, I guess. Um, so so th- this is an interesting topic, and I haven't really talked about this much on the podcast, so I'm, I'm excited to dive into this more. And that's this intersection of AI and creative design. And, you know, I have talked to, did one uh, interview with somebody from Adobe, and we, we were more focused around the uh, customer experience, digital experience kind of piece of it. So we haven't really looked that much at creative design. So how would, how would you define that intersection? And then where do you see... Uh, particularly strong influence in the design process? Well, you know, I think that we used to, uh, we used to design a lot slower and it would be a real process, right? You talk to a client, you try to learn what it is they have in their head. Um, You might be getting, they might be saying one thing, but seeing something else and, and, so there's miscommunication all the time in that in that realm, but basically you're 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 trying to design something for someone, right? So the the path from having an idea or a concept in your head or even a conversation about that mm-hmm. to then creating visual visualizations of what you just said has just completely you know the time there has completely collapsed. So you can. You can go literally from a concept to a visualization of that and reach consensus really quickly. So it's changing to me. It's really changing fundamentally the way that we design things. Um, you know, if I can say, "Hey, show me," uh, I never have good examples in mind, but let's let's go with <laughs> let's go with duck duck uniforms, right? My son's at U of O. He's a duck, and they have great <laughs> uniforms. And Nike is involved with that, obviously. But I did this as a test, created probably 200 duck uniforms, just based on, hey, I give it some input as far as we know the duck brand. So we actually have an agent that does know something about the company, the color palette and all that. Hmm. And then give me 100 of them. And now out of 100, let's, let's pick five or 10. Now let's test those with a, with a focus group, right? Hmm. You're always going to end up with a better result because your your initial input was much larger, and we the designer becomes the curator. The designer becomes the one who's saying, "Well, that's not that's good. That's good." The AI will literally give you ideas too. It'll just generate mm-hmm. stuff that I would have never thought of. That let's do mm-hmm. that. Or you throw in some other variables like uh, let's see what retro uniforms might look like. So mm-hmm. it really just changes that whole game, that whole process. But I think in general, it's just changing the way that we design. And there's hmm. so many. That's just one example. There's a lot of examples of that. Sure. Yeah, Michael, I, I think uh, I, I usually group this into two buckets. I think there's, as, as Lee's talking about, there's a creation ideation piece of where, where this intersection is happening. Uh, and, you know, whether you can start that process with, with words or a prompt or, 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 uh, or an article, you can really kick off a creative process in a way that, that never happened for at a speed that never happened before. But also I think it's it's in the editing and cleaning up process that is really, you know, a, a tremendous part of the power of this because it's going to return so much time back to the creatives to be creative. Mm-hmm. If you can take out the the rote work of design uh and 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 editing and and return that to uh, creatives to to work on new ideas, it's just going to make the world more creative. 
Mm. Yeah, that, that yeah. makes sense to me. I mean, and I do, I use tools for content, you know, and, and I, I'll use the image generators for like really simple things like a blog post or something, but it's not, it's not complicated like what you guys are, are doing, but still same, same process. And I, I was on the uh, Zoom this morning with one of my clients and they, it was a simple question, but they just say, you know, we were thinking about changing the name of this product to something like, and they read me, you know, three or four brainstorm ideas they had. And I went, well, let me just a second, let me give you some ideas. And I just went, you know, directly to Gemini Advance, put in, you know, synonyms for this and gave them another 10 or 15 alternatives in no time. And out of that, we can, you know, we could iterate back and forth. We can comment on it. We can learn. So human in the loop, no question, but it was something that might've taken me, you know, an hour or two to come up with enough permutations of a name versus a minute, you know, maybe. And then apply that to, you know, to actual design with, with, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, design tools. And you might've spent days cleaning up something. So it's presentable to a customer on, on those five ideas. And instead, Boom! You can say, "All right, just you know, clean this up with uh, with the following parameters," and and you've got something mm-hmm. to present in the call that you have them on. Yeah, that makes you know, a lot of sense. And, a, and another big thing that we're doing is going from that ideation phase to actual output too. Mm-hmm. So, how is this really a usable asset? You know, in production, production quality, production ready, right? That's a, it's one thing to mock something up. It's another to say, well, I need the actual asset to put on that billboard. Right. And so we're, we're doing that. And I think that's, you know, to me, I'm just so excited about, Hey, there's a thought I can, I can visualize it in my head. If I can say it, I can see it. And if I can see it, I can also produce it. And so that's the whole, that's coming from an idea in your head to the t-shirt on your back as soon as, as short of a cycle as possible. Yeah. I mean, this sort of bleeds into the next question that I was wanted to ask, and that's really around um, all the noise we've heard of, oh, you know, AI is going to replace human creativity. And, you know, what's the line between what AI should do and what, you know, a human designer should be doing and what uniquely comes from the human. I mean, and you're you're a designer. So, I mean, this is coming from someone who certainly has, I'm sure, thought about this in, in a lot of different ways. So how do you guys see that? I mean, how, how, what is that intersection and how, you know, realistically, what's the human's role in this and what's the machine's role in this and how do they work together? Yeah. You know, at first I thought, at first I thought traditionally, like I'm in control, right? I want to, I, I'm going to come up with the color palette. I'm going to dictate and then that I'll dictate that to the AI and it'll, it'll somehow help. (laughs) But what's changed is it's more like a, it's more like a, having a brand partner or, or a design assistant who's there with me, literally with me, and saying, yeah, well, that, those are pretty cool color ideas. But because the company is located in Bend, Oregon, you might want to consider uh, more of a natural color palette that's based on uh, Deschutes National Forest, right? So it takes it to a whole other level of creativity where, wow, I, you know, that's awesome. I'm still the curator. I'm still the one who's trying to create those styles and lock them in for our customers. And it, but I get to do the fun, you know, I'm the curator, I'm the mixer, I'm the one who can decide what it's going to be, but the assistant's doing a lot more work than I ever would have imagined. 
and, and to the point where it's even writing visual prompts that are very, very creative. Like, huh, your product line has an iridescent material in the fabric and you want to, and it's for, it's for hiking at night. Let's create some scenes that would illustrate, <laughs> show that. Mm. And then what does that mean? Right. So it's, it's just, it takes it to a whole new level for me. Yeah. And it's fun too. It's really, really exciting stuff. Yeah. I, I think just to build on that, Michael, the, the, you know, there's that perception that the humans are going to be taken out of the equation. And I, I think that, you know, as Lee's saying, that that's that's a misperception. Humans will be at the controls uh, and their their body of work is going to shift more to being the curator, the the mover of the ideas, the the uh, the, the ID, the ideas behind it. Whereas something else is going to take control of, of a lot of those road tasks again that, that will just keep more of that control within the human. But it, it's just, you know, uh, ideas do not get made out of thin air. They have to come from someone that, right. that is in, in connection with either the experience or the customer or the product that, that uh, is generating the need for that idea. Mm. I mean, it seems like even, even just that process of having, you know, permutations of a concept is, is considerably enhanced because you would do way more than what you would do if you were doing this by hand. And, and even with a staff, you know, how many, how many uh, mock-ups would you do versus I can have the machine do a hundred uniforms and pick out the one I like best versus five or right, three right. or whatever you would have normally done. Yeah. Right. And the concept isn't new to creativity. I think if you, if you go back to you know, art studios of the, uh, of the Romans or of the, you know, of the Renaissance era, <laughs> there, there was an artist and then there were apprentices who would take yeah. those ideas in a different direction at the behest of the, the creator. And you learn right. from that process and brought it back to, to, to the originator. And I think that's, you know, we're, we're multiplying that by, uh, by, you know, a couple factors, but uh, <laughs> uh, that's what's going on right now. And it's just accelerating the whole process. Yeah, that, I mean, I think that's exciting. The, the just the to see the the enhanced version of design and the designer and their role in this. That's uh, I think that's really interesting. Um, so, so talking about creative design, and one of the things that um, you know I, over the last year I've talked a lot about. It. I mean, I guess from a marketing perspective, we've talked for years about personalization. Um, but I've seen with some of the tools, AI tools that I've looked at over the last year, that's sort of taken it to a different place. And what are the advantages and, and I don't know, maybe limitations too of, of this personalization experience in the context of creative design? Um, <clears throat> sorry, I thought you got yeah, this one. You want to take a first shot and then I'll. Sorry, I, I was just... yeah. You know, I uh, I I think that I, you know, I I kind of link it back, Michael, to the to this is all an accelerator. You know, personalization yeah. has been a goal of uh, of designers, you know, in in all experiences. But let's focus on web experiences. You know, since since we've created the first websites, and you know, and but I don't think it's ever achieved what we wanted to, it, you know, you, it, you, you get a few people down swim lanes that, uh, that, you know, are, are 
deer pass or cow pass that 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 you know sort of mark where most people go, but they aren't really personalized to the level that that you as a product designer, you as a a creative designer want, uh, or you as a customer want. You know, we all aspire to that experience of whether it's your 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 favorite REI or your or other retailer who they understand what you need, they know they know your size, your body type, your your expertise, and they can route you to what you what you really want. In a, in a designed experience, now I think that this adds the the, the steroids, the 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 capabilities, the speed to get mm-hmm. smarter about that, to understand more uh, what those use cases are, to have more permutations that can you know take you off the the cow paths to you know an area that maybe just for for you and give you that that level of personal mm-hmm. personalization that we all want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think you uh, because of the efficiency. You know, we haven't talked a whole lot about what our product actually does yet, but we're going we're going to talk more about that. But um, there's one example is you have a background for your demo, your presentation slides, right? And you're speaking to an audience in Tokyo. Well, you might have graphics that include children in them. <laughs> I'm using a, a, an actual use case here. And but they're not they're not they're not Japanese kids, right? So right. you can literally replace that and put Japanese kids in there. So you're localizing it. You can you can you can personalize your your presentation almost in you know and with very little effort, and mm-hmm. to be able to target those different audiences. And so that that's just been a game changer too. It's like my God, this is. You know, and it's on brand. So we 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 give you the guardrails to have your style saved, mm. but let you do iterations and variations of that. It's like having your own stock image library that mm. you can tweak to be personalized, localized, or or even sure. seasonal. Right. Yeah. St. Patty's yeah. Day is coming. We're gonna do some leprechaun versions of our avatars. So <laughs> and and I think just just to drive that home even further, uh, you know, it, as you create on-brand content that now Lee's decided we're gonna uh, we're gonna regionalize to to Tokyo uh, or to Japan. Now we'll, we'll, you know there's a push of the button that can change that to well you know what Kyoto's a little bit different from Hokkaido so let's let's mm-hmm. let's let's regionalize that there it's snow up there and it's really hot down in, in Kyoto so you know let's make it so that it feels more uh, more personal to the to the to the user who's going to see it at that moment, and you add that to regional, seasonal, seasonal, regional campaigns, and you know it's it's just going to personalize everything mm-hmm. from a website to a to a new product launch, and uh, and and that's just you know a single example. Yeah, not to mention social media, right? Yeah, then you can respond with a visual related to whatever the current topic is, and still be on brand. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really important, the brand consistency and yet being able to to deliver something that is um, in much more quickly deliver something that is really personalized. And, I, you know, we've talked about personalization for a long time, but it was really based on big segments and big segments don't really personalize. Um, and I and, and you know, I, I felt like for years that personalization often was a bigger miss than it was a hit mo- most of the time. Um, because it didn't necessarily focus on the right data or have the capability to do it in a more interactive, real time-ish way, right? Right. And and users, consumers like us, I think you're more frustrated when a personalization 
try fails than if there's no try at all. Yeah. You know, don't, don't, don't try to put me into that segment or that swim lane when I'm not part of that. And I'd right. just rather be part of the whole, uh, the grand experiment. Yeah. I mean, for, for e-commerce, for example, this is a tremendous change, I think, for, uh, you know, for e-commerce sites to really be able to, to personalize in a ways that they've never even thought about trying to do before. So, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. So, you know, we're talking about this in the context of more graphic design, but but I'm I'm just curious, like, what are the other sort of potential areas that you see AI de powered design tools uh, play out like, you know, architecture or product design fashion. I mean, there are a lot of different industry verticals that this could apply to. So what do you guys think about that? I mean, are you seeing some use cases there that make a lot of sense and, and you think would be a good use of the technology? Yeah, I'd yeah. probably flip it around to you. Uh, sorry, Lee. Uh, I'd probably flip it around to you and say, where are you not seeing it? Because it's <laughs> it is True. in every segment yeah. all the time. And, and you know, we we've been live with our uh, our product really only over the last month or two of since we at least began talking about it. And already we've been approached by uh, segments that we didn't expect. Uh, the the, the mm -hmm. artistic community. We've been approached by a, a uh, an artist who, you know, sees the, the the use of our technology as an opportunity to allow his user base to iterate on his designs with in on brand. Uh, I think you know in, in architecture and other things you you were seeing just that speed that iteration where you know it used to be uh, that the you know you you use the architectural analysts working in the in the labs overnight for, for days on end and they'd come out with something and, and give it to the presenter while they went off and tried to sleep it off and uh right. and, and now that stuff is is a push of a button away it's 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 a game changer for all of it at least at the speed level yeah and i i think i hope that we've picked a really good one too which is focusing on brands right so i feel like we're bringing world-class agency quality. We haven't talked about the quality either. The quality that of the work that we're doing, I mean, you've seen it, and it mm -hmm. is world-class. This is top quality stuff. Yeah. And so I feel like we're, we're enabling, you know, that's what used to be the realm of big agencies and big budgets, Fortune 500 companies that can afford that could do that. Well, I'm excited about bringing that level of quality and brand effectiveness down to the long tail, SMBs mm -hmm. and even startups. Um, you know, it's everything they need to get started building your brand. And if you start with your brand from the beginning, and if you do that early on, you can grow your brand much more efficiently and quick, quicker, better, faster down the road. And and you're not guessing, you're not second guessing anything. You know what you're, who you are, what you want to express. Mm -hmm. And you're just getting the assets to be able to do that fluidly. So that to me, that the, the rewards of that are like there's so many, right? The the cost right. effectiveness, the you know, just the effectiveness in general. And now anyone can do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, years ago when I was at, at um, Autodesk, one of the things we like to talk about was democratization of the technology, right? We we took this high-end CAD concept and made it something that any was accessible to any designer. Uh, any, you know, anyone could use that could get it. It was reasonably priced. It was much more available. Uh, and it seems like that's sort of the same thing we're seeing now, right? These tools 
democratize the capabilities so that small and mid-sized companies even have the same ability to generate that high quality and quickly and stay on brand and all those things. So, yeah, today, Mike, we are, uh, we're working with a customer today who, uh, is a startup, uh, is, you know, in need of getting out into, uh, to display what, what the capabilities are that they have. They need to take some, uh, to have some photographs and those photographs need to be on location in nine different forests, uh, out, out <laughs> And our customer was presented with a bill that that would be, you know, just over a hundred thousand dollars to be able to, yep. to go out and do that. And I'm pretty sure, and we'll have to look at the results. We're going to be able to do that with our standard subscription, which is, you know, less than 20%, less than 5% of that. Mm. Yeah. And, well, and they, I, wouldn't, they just wouldn't have been able to do that either. Right, they, right. Would, they would just say, well, we're going to have to do some stock imagery, I guess. Or, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so not not even just the capability to generate it that way or do it quickly, but the idea that I wouldn't have even been able to address this in that way if I didn't have right. this capability. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, so one of the one of the areas that always comes up when you talk about AI or is, is ethical considerations, and and so just for a minute, let's let's look at that and see kind of how you know, how do we involve these uh, ethical considerations? What are they that, you know, arise out of using the generative AI capabilities in creative processes? And then how how do you, do you guys address the, you know, ownership and artistic intent or, or even bias that could be, you know, introduced from the design process? Yeah, uh, we, you know, well, we starting from the bias point of view, we we remove that because when you want to do an asset, you de you decide that you know I can't show you the tool, but you'll be able to decide sure. what the attributes are of the people that are in this particular shot. So you mm -hmm. control the diversity, you control the body size, shape, mm -hmm. um, skin tone. You know, so it's really not an inherent bias in the model. Um, our tools allow you to decide how much of that you want. Right. Sure. Um, that's just one aspect. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's a, uh, a degree of control that 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 we give the, the creative designer. And you always want the, the creative designer to have that final say. Uh, sure. You know, we, we always get asked, like, how can you allow this? How can you allow that to come out of the system? Well, there is a reason that the creative designer, just like they do today in a more manual way, is there right. as the arbiter of whether something can get out the door. But, you know, we also, we, we're built on top of all the big LLMs and we, we use them, uh, you know, for what they do best. But we rely on them as well to be as unbiased as possible about their mm -hmm. own inputs. And that, that's sure. something that, that, you know, we, we, we as an industry have to make sure that, uh, sure. that they stay true to their, their calling on that because that will, that will impact all of our abilities to deliver product on the end. Sure. And then if you think about what we're doing as far as just like, okay, you're the, your designers in your company are going to come up with your styles. You're not going to come up with styles that are, that are ripping off another artist. I mean, that would just be dumb, you know? So, and so we don't allow that for one thing. We don't put artists names in our prompts and we don't allow our users to do that either. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but, but we're pretty safe, I think, from that point of view of 
I'm not going to, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the output again that's going to infringe upon a copyright. If I, you could use any tool to, to infringe upon someone's copyright. So whether I took an image and I ran a Photoshop filter on it and it looks like an Andy Warhol, well, why are you putting out an Andy Warhol ripoff? You know, like, so I don't know. That, that's kind of interesting to me. I do think that artists who've contributed to the world of visuals that have, that's the entire history of visuals that great if they can get credit or compensation somehow. And I think, I think there might be some really interesting things coming along those lines, sure. which would be amazing because then now you're funding artists. They did something a long time ago, but people appreciate that style and they might get rewarded for that. I, that's a dream, but I think that'll be great. Mm. Um, but yeah, so ethically we just try to, we obviously we're not going to be copying other people's work. Um, design has always been about influences, fashion. You know, you look at trends. What imagery evokes an emotion? Well, that comes from our history. So do we not be able to tap into our history of visual language to be able to make new visuals that speak to people and, and evoke emotions in them? Like, uh, it's a beautiful tool to me. And it's the most creative thing ever. True. Well, I, I mean, some of the what you said there really <clears throat> makes me feel like the idea, which I hadn't really thought about this in, in this way, because using most generative AI tools, it's really about the prompt. You're not really, there's not a lot of other guardrails. There are some built in the model itself, of course. But, but the idea that you have such a granular level of control that you as the designer are really setting this up. So any bias you had would, of course, flow into the design, but that's normal. That's not an unusual process. We're not introducing anything from the AI that wouldn't have already existed. And and hopefully it makes it obvious that you can control that to the point that you do, in fact, eliminate more of that bias in the process. So, right. Yeah, yeah that exactly. makes sense. So then how... How are the notions around, you know, what's a good design? How's that challenged? Or maybe it's not. Maybe it's just expanded uh, by the use of AI. And I think, you know, we've touched on some of this already, but I just, you know, in a, in, in a, in a way to look at this, notions of good design and then, you know, what, what challenges to that or how is this enhanced based on the use of the AI tool? Yeah, I, I, uh, Ideally, Michael, I think you you it doesn't challenge it. You know, good design is good design, uh, and and we all appreciate that and 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 run with it. I, I do think that maybe there's a heightened element of understanding where copying uh, and just sort of marginally iterating on someone else's design could be mistaken for good design on your part. But you know, yeah. Uh, I think that's just a, a, a level of control that we have to we have yeah. to put in to really understand how something's gone through its evolution, and so, you know it's almost like there's a, a blockchain of good good uh, of good design that we need to follow to make sure that uh, you know someone's not getting credit who didn't deserve it. But if it's good design, it's good design. Hmm. Yeah, and, and I think I think we're I think we're heading into a renaissance period. Frankly, I mean, more people putting more creative energy with tools that let them have output it i i just it's going to be really interesting to see because the bar's going to be raised for what's acceptable quality 
right? Mm. And so the more creative, the more the more the imagery does what it's supposed to do. If it's for a brand, does it does it evoke an emotion that's associated with my brand? You know, then I think we're going to get really good at that. So yeah. I don't know what that's going to look like, but sounds like a renaissance period well, to me. And I think the tool, you know, the tools are are changing in front of our eyes. So you know, before yeah. Illustrator and Photoshop. There were different tools that you looked to for for, for design, and Figma changed, you know, added even more to that. Now, you know, there are going to be new and different folks who are good designers who know how to use AI to get there. And, yeah, and if, you, and if you happen to be good with words and you're a good language person and you know how to describe things that are visual, that's yeah. the most artists can't really do that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I don't know why it just looks cool, you know. So, but but there's a whole, you know, there's the world of language behind that, which yeah. is where the AI is educating the designer along the way. Oh, that's what you know, that's what ambient light is versus a a key light <laughs> or something, right? So, right. the language of visuals. Interesting. So, so just to close this out, because we are getting short on time, um, I'm just curious where you think this is going. Like, look into the future, even even five years into the future, which in the AI world is a lot, I guess, actually. But but where, where do you see this AI design kind of collaborative model? Where's this going? And are there other emerging trends or technologies that you're excited about to, to incorporate in this concept? You're ending on a, such an easy, small question. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, I like to, I like to, you know, tee up the easy ones at the end, and yeah. you know. maybe in the vein of just sort of brainstorming a little bit. It's funny because we did innovation work for Ford autonomous vehicles, and we got to design. What's it going to be like five, ten years from now when there's no steering wheel? Well, those are great questions, and they're so much fun to work on. And I do think that way, right? So, like in this case. I want to see one, I mean, a few applications, I'll just throw them out there. Maybe I shouldn't, but like um, my own history, uh, a childhood memory or a childhood memory of a family member. So we've, we've recorded oral histories in the past and sit around and talk to grandma and you capture that story. Well, now that captured story is fed right into the styled prompt for grandma's brand. <laughs> And you have a visual uh, narrative that goes along mm. with that. And so to me, that's just one example of just, I mean, there's so many, there are so many, but I think that's a really exciting one personally. You know, yeah. I can, I can re-see, I can, not everything's photographed, not everything's documented and not everything's curated. That's for darn sure. Yeah. So maybe, maybe having some of those stories to share with your family members and that'd be amazing to me. Mm. Yeah. But I, I digress on that one. Sorry, <laughs> Michael. You know, I, I I'm excited for the future. I, I, I'll I'll start off with that, and I I think that design and content velocity are now going to be ahead of demand, which is just something mm -hmm. that that you couldn't do before. Ideas mm -hmm. took a while to, to bake, and certainly the content that would flow out of them took even longer to make and, and, you know, mm. didn't get reason, regionalized and seasonalized and all that other stuff that you're talking about. Now we're going to be ahead of that. And I think that's going to be exciting. It's going to allow for quicker iterations, which, uh, you know, whether you're talking about e-commerce or, you know, or you're talking about art and, and 
uh, and movies and uh, streaming uh, audio, you know, everything can change at a speed that that mm. is going to be stimulating to us as customers. Maybe, maybe too much, but we're going to, but right now mm. I think it's just exciting to see <clears throat> that creatives can keep up with, in fact, outpace the, the, the consumers of their, of, mm. of their works. Yeah, that's great. So <clears throat> that's all the time we have. Uh, great conversation. I really appreciate you guys joining today. Uh, before I let you go, though, one thing I like to ask at the end of the show, could you recommend somebody for the audience that you think, you know, a thought leader, an author, somebody that you think would be uh, relevant to the conversation we had and, and would be good for them to, to check out? I'm gonna leave yeah, I mean, one of the one of the I, you know, I, I think YouTube's become pretty useful. There's so much mm. to keep up with. Um, you can actually use AI to summarize those YouTube videos too and yep. get to the point a lot faster. But um, but one person that comes to mind is just Matt Wolf. He's uh, you can subscribe to him online. Um, but he's just done a good job from day one of just being a fan of the technology, and so he just is constantly demoing whatever he finds interesting at a very at a very fast pace, and then he summarizes everything weekly. So it's kind of like the weekly news summary um he's just one of many that are doing this kind of thing but i think that's a good place to start as far as you just want to kind of see who's doing what and and see quick demos of of uh you know what the result is of those tools so good yeah thank you that's uh, that's a great recommendation so john lee again thanks uh, so much for joining really enjoyed the conversation and i know we're going to continue to have this uh, ongoing conversation about how this is going to evolve as it, as it uh, changes going forward. So thank you. Yeah, you bet. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having us. All right. And that's the show for this week. Thank you all for joining. Remember to hit that subscribe button. And for more on AI and other software research reports and posts, check out the arianresearch.com slash blog and slash research reports. And don't forget to join us next week. I'm Michael Fawcett, and this is the Disambiguation Podcast.